Welcome back to Flipping Mats, Wading Flats podcast. I think we're on episode number three. This is Josh, Joe. What's going on, everybody? Oh, I'm doing good. We got a special one tonight, Mike G. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mike, um, <laughs> owner of Ace Screen Graphics and Casa Pescador down in Falcon Lake, Texas. Oh, there you go. That's right. Mike G. We call him Mikey G. His real name is Mike Guevara. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. How was uh, that? Re- re- well, I'm related to Che Guevara, dude. Like, really? You know, no, but how was my pronunciation? Oh, it's great. Guy? Oh, yeah. No, I can't that's, do that. That's Come pretty on, good. Dude. I can't yeah. do that at all. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, no, Mikey G, man, you were the, uh, well, I met you in Bass Club, Elite Bass Club, San Antonio, and yeah. uh, you were our president for a couple of years, and but you've been fishing a while. What's a little bit of your story, your little background? Um, yeah, so I guess my background is that I grew up skateboarding, um, and, um, we would go visit my uncle in, um, Louisiana every summer, you know, and Louisiana rains all the time and there's nowhere to skate. So my uncle took me bass fishing and ruined my life. (laughs) (laughs) So it took me and all the other cousins that skated and everybody caught fish and everybody was like, this is stupid. We're going to go look for a place to skate tomorrow. I was like, dude, something changed, you know, when I hooked that first fish. So yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So that's how I got started. And then I always fish ponds and creeks until I could afford a little boat and then a bigger boat and then started a business and bought bigger boats and, you know, just keep flushing money down the toilet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what was your first rig? That you had? Uh, the first rig that I had was a uh, four, 14-foot Alumacraft with, no, 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 a 14-foot, um, like, a handle steer boat with a... Oh, like a tiller a, handle. A tiller handle. I bought it at Medina Lake. Uh, my aunt... Uh, so after Louisiana, the other close relative that I had was at Medina Lake. So that's where I kind of grew up learning how to fish the banks. And then so I got a boat. But the first boat was a little 14-foot tiller boat with a, I think, a 12.5, like Johnson or something. Like that. Nice. I thought and you were going to so, say a Ponga. That's what I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, but we would launch there at uh, Goat's Hill. Man, this is crazy. And this is all nostalgic. Uh, launch at Goat's Hill and then just get to Turk's Head and just, and then there was that, you remember Josh is a, a, a Medina Lake. Uh, he, he's a pro. Uh, Tornado Alley. You remember yeah. what we call Tornado Alley? Yeah, I do. It's where uh, a lot of big fish are caught off that island over there. So it's it's a, it's a big fish spot. So that's where I started learning how to fish. And then now knowing what I know, like, yeah, that's where big fish are caught. That, <laughs> that island right there is where I won my first tournament at Medina. Nice. That man. little island that's just north of Tur- Turk's Head right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, we fished a tournament there. It was January 14th when uh, they would do the Friday nighters during the summer. Yeah. But then they would do the, uh, like, every other Saturday or something like that, they would have the little jackpot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Westall Senior. Was yeah, Westall yeah. Senior. So we went out there. It was the first. I mean, I had fished a couple of the Friday nighters, but that was the first one we won. And uh, it was January 14th. It was 30-something, 30, 30, 31 degrees when Perfect. we launched the boat. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Dude, How I, do you remember all this shit? So check it out. The other <laughs> The only reason I doesn't smoke. <laughs> the, the only reason I remember it is because the January fourteenth is actually my brother's birthday. Oh, nice! So that was easy for me to remember. But I remember, God, it was cold. Yeah. We were running, and we left Reds Reds Cove, ran all the way up there to Turk's Head, Tornado Alley, yeah, or Tornado Island, and we were like this old man that used to fish BASS back in the day, seventies, eighties. He's like, I'm telling you, boys, when you get up. Start throwing that pop R as soon as that sun gets over the hills, they're gonna hit it. They're moving up there to spawn, and we're like, 
freaking 30 degrees outside, dude. Ain't nothing hitting the top water, you know? <laughs> but we didn't know. We were young. I just started fishing. So we roll up there and I cast that thing out there. Goes about six feet because the ice is all over the rod guides and everything. And it just <laughs> clunk backlash. So I finally get all that out, dunked, make a couple casts. We're there. We're fishing, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes. And then I'm I'm watching. I'm not even looking at my lure. I'm looking off and just bloop, bloop, bloop. And I'm throwing that Magnum Pop R, that big like three-quarter one yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Used to buy them at Walmart. Yeah. But the chrome with back black with black back. Yeah. And I'm just bloop, bloop. And then all of a sudden it sounds like someone flushes a toilet. Just <laughs> whoosh, and I went, oh God, get the net. And we're fight this thing in it was about a six and a half pounder and then we go we get it and we're high five and everything dude my boat was so rickety back then we had the live well hooked up to gator clips <laughs> so we didn't i didn't have a switch in the boat so we had to go in the back put water in it hook the gator clips up to the battery so the live well would work and all that and so then we go about 20 more minutes we've only made it i don't know 40 50 yards down the bank same thing and I went, oh god set the hook about a four and a half pounder Damn, those are the Dina lake giants yeah right yeah. so those are the only two fish we caught all day never caught another fish yeah. never got another bite damn but the only thing i remember about that tournament it was my favorite thing and i know i've told this story before a lot of you club guys but we get to weigh in and you know westall senior with his long hair and everything and he gets so excited about fishing that's what makes it great yeah and we were rookies dude i mean we didn't know anybody or and he reaches down in there and grabs that four and a half pounder out of there and holds it up. And everybody's like, God dang, look at that fish. And they weigh it for big bass and everything. And I'm like, just kind of looking at him. And I tapped him on the shoulder and leaned over and I said, hey, Greg, Greg. He goes, yeah, what's up? I said, that's the little one. And he looks at me like, what? And then he reaches back down in the bag and pulls out that six and a half pounder. And everybody just like goes nuts. It was like, that's like my greatest fishing moment up until, you know, Falcon a couple of years ago. But yeah, yeah but Medina Lake days, man. Yeah, it was good, good times. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like I started in Louisiana. That gave me the bug. Fished, you know, that was probably in middle school at some point. Uh, all through high school, just fished ponds and creeks. And had and then my senior year, I bought a little boat. And then, um, um, and then, and then, then I got out of it for a while to start my business. And when I mean about a while, maybe from like 18 years old till I was 24 or so, I got a job at Budweiser and made some decent money and then started my business after a few years at Budweiser and then started making better money. And then I bought a boat and started bass fishing. And then I ran into, so my uncle was the first guy who kind of ruined my life, who introduced me to the bite and the sensation of cooking the fish and just changed my life. And the next guy who ruined my life was Marcus Qualls. I met him at Academy. <laughs> and then he took me to Medina Lake for my first tournament ever. And, of course, uh, throwing smally beavers around Medina Lake in those days was very dangerous. So my first tournament, me and him won it. And I'm like, oh, wow, you can make money doing this. And and uh, so that was it. And then got introduced to Will and you guys and um, – and then just never stop since then and just keep throwing money at this thing, you know, but it's a lot of fun and I've made a lot of really good friends and people that I, I really admire and, and I really enjoy hanging out with. Like, I didn't know I was going to be on the show tonight, you know, like <laughs> Joe, I hadn't seen Joe in forever. And uh, he's like, Hey, we're going to be at Will's. And I had been telling Will like, dude, we need to just hang out at the shop, like on any given night and just talk about fishing, you know, and yeah, just well, like, that, that night's Wednesday night now. Okay. Well, Wednesday, Wednesday night, happy hour at Fish Tackle Marine right yeah, here, Austin exactly. Highway. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's it. And then I, so I just started fishing. Then I got involved with the club and that's as far as I ever went with it with my business and stuff. I started with the club and that, I remember doing that just because my business had me so busy at the time that I just wanted to at least have 
one set date a month where I would fish. And that's what the club did for me. So it just forced me, it was something on the books all the time. And then I found myself basically making all of them. And that was back um, in 2010 when we started. So I think that's when I got kind of serious about, we're in a serious ish about bass fishing. I had an 18 and a half foot little champion with a 150, which I love that boat. And just took that, that's the boat that took me and Will, I fished with Will, you know, the owner of Fish Tackle Marine, like the inaugural season, me and him fished together, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> they ain't coming for us, boys. Oh, yeah, no. Austin Highway. Austin that's Highway. Right. <laughs> Five alarm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, then just fished with Will that first season and then, you know, had a few partners since and then fished with a lot of guys. It's just, man, there's no, fishermen, are, I feel like they're the greatest people on earth, they really do. Yeah, so, um, and even the like, guys I don't know very tight, like you, Josh, or Will, or even Joe, like, I mean, guys that we just know through champs and some of the other like circuits or other clubs, like, they're just, just really kind people. So, yeah, your um, wife, your wife just lets you fish with me because I keep you fed. <laughs> yeah, she always compliments you. She says you're always looking out for me because I never book places until the day of the tournament and I call and there's nowhere to stay. So then I'm sleeping in Joe's trailer at Amistad on the floor. You know, uh, like that's happened several times. I don't get any sleep and I just like to torture myself. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, and then got fished a lot and then had an opportunity to buy, uh, the place down at Falcon, you know, and then put some money into that and had a, you know, we've always only had the print shop. So that's kind of my second source of income. And, um, and then taking money from elite members is my third source of income. You know? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Well, you until got... until Matt Rigby showed up. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as far as your place down at Falcon, I've yeah. stayed there a couple times. It's I mean super legit place. And even from when it first started, just being the trailer, now you've got the awnings and the carports and the barbecue pit. And I mean, you got everything set up for basically set up for fishermen. Mm -hmm. And the best part about it is you're right outside the gate of the county ramp oh yeah it's great man so it's it's just a really cool dual purpose property for me and my family and then my friends i mean uh when i first bought it it was never meant really to be an airbnb and then the pandemic hit and then my business you know got cut in half and that's when we actually put it on the airbnb just in, for more money you know um but like you and kyle were the first people that really were using that place when falcon used to have water in it yeah. you know when champs used to go there yeah we stayed there a lot i remember calling you sometimes being like Hey, dude, I'm heading down. You mind if we crash? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go for it, man. Y'all had a key, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. And even the way I acquired the place and the way it all worked out. But, yeah, it's, it's a great spot. I mean, I, I put some money into it. We, we, we try to keep it with anglers in mind and just um, um, the, the, the cover. The uh, Mike McCoon, a member of Elite Bass Club, helped me put that place together. And he's a, an avid bass angler as well. And, and he really helped me get that spot looking the way it was. And, I always brag about him and he's a workhorse too but every time i think about falcon i can't think about my spot without thinking about mike because yeah. he, he really hooked me up and and the spot is the way it is because he you know i mean he didn't do it for free but he, he no absolutely de he definitely hooked the brother up <laughs> <laughs> well and because he's a fisherman yeah he knew what you were looking for yeah he knew like hey dude this will this will be perfect for oh, this yeah. boats his, you know his, his input was good yeah to have another fisherman there not just a guy that was there to throw some metal up and get out as quick as you could, you know? So if someone wanted to book your place, let's say they're going on a fishing trip to Falcon or whatever, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you, get a hold of it? What's um, it's just, it's listed on Airbnb. So that's really the best way to, to go about it. Just get on the Airbnb website, uh, search Casa Pescador and, and it, it'll, it'll be there. So, um, uh, but yeah, that's how I have it set up now with my business and just the way um, other obligations I have. I don't really, 
I don't answer phones about the place or whatever. I mean, it, for my buddies, I do. I mean, it, people I know, or if I get to know you or whatever, or if you book through BNB and then you start booking more often, then we can figure something out, you know, yeah. or whatever. But um, that's the easiest way to BNB. Yep. All right. All right. Well, that's cool. So, a little background on Mikey G. But um, as far as fishing season coming up, let's see. You done any fishing lately? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, I, I mean, um, yeah, but it's not something I want to remember right I now. Gotcha. <laughs> I got you. Well, dude, I don't think anybody wants to remember because, I mean, I fished the first bass chance to choke and it was terrible, man. We got four bites all day and we just, we struggled. I mean, I know your issues were not necessarily fish related, but I mean, it's still just, it was, I don't think it was a good tournament for anybody except for maybe the guys that won. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, there's a lot of guys that caught them. There's a lot of great anglers out there, but yeah, we just had some bad luck and we just, we, we shared a spot that whatever we got. It was Dude, just it wasn't I a think, big enough shot spot to share and, and and it doesn't matter. Maybe the fish weren't there, maybe they were, but we had a good practice there and we caught some some really nice fish there. And we got there early and first and then we just we just ran into some I think else. Uh, yeah. I think everybody was sharing water. Oh yeah, for sure. And I I understood that it would be show, it would be they would everybody was gonna be sharing water. I just didn't think I'd be taking my my crankbait off of somebody else's line at, you know, fifteen minutes after getting to my spot. You know? <laughs> that's true, that's true. So I mean that what's uh what's next let's see we got february club fishing yeah really just club, club just went to coletto yeah i didn't do that one um i just i had other stuff going on um yeah definitely still i mean elite i don't run it anymore there's new guys running it i, I ran it for several years i've done seven ish years quite a while the club is great the guys in there they're great um so yeah i'll just fish more club stuff try to get down to falcon to my place as often as possible to chill um, and then just trying to get to Ivy and catch a giant, you know, I think everybody's trying to get to Ivy. I'm not going to say like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to follow. I, I want to catch giants. And that's really, I don't know. Maybe that's more of my focus nowadays is just, um, I love club fishing. I like tournament fishing, but I really like to be out there just swinging for giants, you know, throwing real big lures or big crankbaits or, um, and I just like fishing deep, you know, that's what I've been doing for the last three or four years and, and caught some really big fish doing it, you know? So Mike, Mikey hadn't been president for what? A year now this is your second year not being president yeah, yeah, yeah. dude by the end of this year we're all gonna have freaking make elite great again hats <laughs> <Mike and G laughs> back. No, that's good. Yeah. rick's but doing a good job with it jesse they are did, jesse did a job with it i don't know what, what job but he did a job with it. no but, but jesse's the, my homie I'm, the, I'm messing with him but um but yeah rick's there it's just you know and it, i was running it for a long time so sometimes you just need new people and new faces in there sometimes it works out better and sometimes it's, fresh blood never yeah, hurt, exactly whatever, hurt nothing so. They're doing a great job with it and so i want to definitely fish it i just need to i need to not i need to i need to not, not be lazy and get back in, into fishing again so that's why that's why i'm here that's why i showed up to actually hang out with you guys because that's the other thing hanging out with people like joe and will and josh people who fish all the time you know we inspire each other to fish too so you know you get out and start talking fish and you get the bug again when you sit at home just kind of staring at your stuff you're like man it's all maintenance at that point you know yeah so it's good to be out here talking with you guys and so. all of us you know being I would say we're all you could classify us as bass heads or yeah. you know fish heads or whatever but i mean there's been some pretty crazy stuff going on in the fishing world lately i mean you know i mean this podcast will air a little bit after you know that but i mean dude kvd retired ivy's pumping out 17 pounders yeah. 15 pounders catch a bass champs and at uh toledo bend i mean texas is kind of going off the hook right now yeah and then getting the typical backlash, like uh, yeah, Jason. I don't know if you've seen the pictures on his post or not. There I heard was, there's people screenshotting the video footage and saying he wasn't even catching it on what he was throwing it on. Yeah, he said he snagged it. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard I heard something about that about like he you know is the, the those guys up there are intentionally snagging fish or whatever and you know my quick thought on that I don't know what happened I wasn't there and I'm definitely not somebody to judge somebody that especially somebody that I don't even know mm-hmm. and you know to me kind of fisherman code you know I trust a fisher fisherman or a hunter or anybody you know I consider that I would think they have the same morals and stuff that I do I understand not everybody does but you know, I got to take it for what it's worth. I mean, he caught a 17 pounder. I saw the video. It came in the net. He weighed it. I mean, you know, the video I saw was a little weird because, you know, the video I saw, he was throwing an Alabama rig and you could see that when he brought it in, one of the hooks, you know, had caught the fish in the back. But I mean, I've caught numerous fish on a, on an Alabama mm-hmm. rig and dude, when those fish come up and swipe at it, I've had one fish in the mouth, two, one fish in the belly, one fish in the back. I mean, and then not only that, maybe it started out hooked in the in mouth. The mouth yeah, and then yeah, by yeah. the time you fight it and get it to the boat, the mouth hook came out and he's still on the back hook. I mean, there, there's no, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how to prove that or look at that. So I'm not going to discredit anybody. I mean, yeah. 17 pounder in the boat on the scales. I mean, whatever, just the fact that OHIV pumped out a 17-pounder is – and that's two now because there was one last year yeah. and then now this year. I mean, that's crazy what stocking and Texas Parks and Wildlife and all that stuff have done. I mean, it's nuts. Well, I think it's a combination of everything. If anglers going there, fishing it, bring it to the limelight. You know, Milliken, I mean, let's face it, he was the one to kind of bring it. The, the best part that I like about it is it made that whole community grow again. Because from what I understand, it was completely dead pretty much. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much like a ghost town right. up there. But now, I mean, restaurants, stores, everything's going back just because of the fact that now it's a fish community again. Yeah. And people from all over the country are going there. Yeah. Even the world. Because I've seen dudes from other countries going there just to just to come to Texas to go to Ivy. Yeah. Like I saw, I saw a thing posted the other day that one of the guides, uh, gosh dang it, Jones, Josh mm-hmm. Jones. I saw that he posted on there that his people had come all the way in from Georgia yeah. to fish for a couple of days. I mean, dude, people coming from Georgia to lonely West Texas because it's just that awesome. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, you hear like it used to be a big deal when you used to hear about 10 pounders being caught. You know, we'd all used to like that was the that was the rumor. Like they're catching 10s at, you know, Lake Austin. They're catching, you know, they're they're catching 10 pluses at Choke again or. I mean, Choke died for several years, too. I mean, it, that was a time there where nobody was going oh, there. Choke like, was the dead sea. It was the dead sea, yeah. There was a couple of those, you know, I remember the, the SAPD Big Bass Busters, you know, or their their, their tournament that's coming up, actually. Um, it's always a great tournament. They put on a good event. Um, uh, but, you know, I remember some of those tournaments. I think it was, like, only a handful of fish were caught and a four-pounder won the whole thing where it was usually it took a, a solid fish to win that event. And it's taken big ones again. But it was, like, that's basically what happened at Choke. Choke was um, that bad. Oh, yeah. It was I just, remember fishing a club tournament there. God, this was, I don't know, I don't seven, years. seven years ago. Yeah. But I remember Frank Adam won the tournament. He had one fish for five pounds. Yeah. And then whoever got second had three little swimmers. Adam had like five and a half pounds. The second place team had three little swimmers for like five pounds even. And I got third place in the tournament and had one fish for four pounds. <laughs> and I fished all day, never got a bite. And I caught that fish in like the last 30 minutes right off the jetty right there at Callahan on a football jig. Wow. 
<laughs> like I had given up. Like I'm not giving up, but like I, I was out of spots to go. I didn't know what to do, where to go. And I just said, well, I'll go fish the jetty. Everybody fishes the jetty. And I caught the one fish, but that's how bad it was. I mean, five and a half pounds winning a tournament at choke. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So then when you started hearing the big fish, you know, and then when the lake came back up and then Callahan blew up and then, you know, Mike Bates started putting people on real big fish. We all started, and you know, everybody started going back to choke again. Yeah. But that was several years there where it was a ghost town. I mean, there was just nobody going down. That's the way Ivy was for a long time, too. Um, but I guess what I was getting at is, like, I remember, like, even Falcon was putting out 10s, lots of 10s. And now it's, like, you hear of a 10 being caught at Ivy, and you're like, oh, that's not – it doesn't even sound like a big fish anymore. Like, yeah. if it's not 13-plus, it's not making the news at Ivy, which that's that's crazy, you know. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, so, sorry, I keep coming back and forth from – No, that's the, all right. You got to – Get on it. I gotta get on it. Gotta suck that. That's good. There you go. I got a Tony Deli on. That's right. Whatever you're doing right there, just keep doing it. A lot of inside jokes about our club that most people don't know about. Don't worry. I mean, dude. Yeah, but I mean, think about it. You know, you talk about like inside jokes, like with the club and stuff like that. I mean, god dang, dude. All of us have known each other over a decade now, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, easily ten years. Yeah, for sure. I remember going to Bass Pro Shops for the club meetings. Oh yeah, that was. Remember yeah. that? Oh yeah, yeah, that was. Those were good times. Those, those, those were your meetings, Will. Will's over here cleaning his aquarium. That's right. Looking. That's sassy. right. If you come to Fish Tackle Marine, there's a there's a, a fish tank with a bass in it. What's the What's the bass's name? Fred. 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 You can come feed Fred, and you can also test any of the baits you buy in here in the fish tank if you want. <laughs> but yeah the like talking about the ivy thing like i mean that's why i want to go like i that's i mean i've had several uh 10 plus fish in since i've been fishing but i'm, I'm like the goal is a 13 plus you know so but even that now doesn't sound that big all of a sudden because it's 15s and 16s and 17s yeah. it used to be like catch a 13 and just sell it all and retire you know because that was the big big fish you know and if yeah. you got really lucky i mean you know, like records at Falcon are what, 15 pounds, you know, that's an absolute giant. Now it just seems with these Ivy fish, it's making all that look like deep, like a decent day on Ivy is a 15 or 13 to 15 pounder. You yeah. Know? You catch so. Mikey G throwing that jab in there. You know, I got, a, I got multiple tens and I'm <laughs> up to 13. It's like, God dang, it must be nice. No, I, I get, just, no, yeah. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time, dude. Just giving you a hard time. But, you know, talk about that dream fish like that. I know I saw a post the other day and People are talking about what these guides are getting, like these guides at Ivy that are charging, you know, a thousand dollars a day, fifteen hundred dollars a day. And half of me is like, man, that's expensive. That's a lot of money. But then the other half of me is so intrigued about if you truly are a diehard, I mean, what's it worth to you at a shot to catch a I mean, I've never caught a double digit, so me, anything ten pounds or bigger, you know, I mean what's it worth to me? And I started kicking back thinking, and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, it might be worth that shot. Yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day when I used to be in the golf business, you know, everybody gets all amped up about the masters, you know, Augusta national and it's private and all that stuff. And I remember telling buddies of mine, I'm like, dude, I would pay $5,000 without batting an eye to go play one round at Augusta. Like if someone called me up and was like, Hey, you can have a tee time here Monday. It's five grand. Dude, would, I would make it happen. You would have paid it. Yeah, I would have yeah. paid it in a heartbeat. I'd still pay it. And I don't even golf that much anymore, but it's just that's the dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sure. I mean, I started thinking about that and I'm like, 
well, I'd pay $5,000 to go play Augusta. And I mean, I, that was just a number I came up with in my head, but I'm now I'm talking about a legitimate shot at catching a 10 plus. Yeah. And not only that, a lot of these guys are teaching you stuff and showing you stuff with all this forward facing sonar and live scope or whatever they you've got. I mean, you would also learn from it also whether you caught a fish or not. Yeah. yeah. But right. that's just that's just to go with them. That's not including the yeah. the, the, the travel, the room, where you're staying at, the food. And I guarantee you they're not just going to stay there for that one day. They're staying there multiple days. Multiple days. Yeah, because I think a lot of those guides, you know, will do a two-day minimum or something like that. But, but you know, ultimately, if you're going to have a shot, like I know some of the guides down on the down on the coast, Port Mansfield, Baffin Bay down there, guys that want to catch those big 30-inch trout, 30-inch speckled trout, the big ones. They do the wintertime trout trips, January, February, stuff like that. And all a lot of those guides down there, if you and they'll tell you, if you want a legitimate shot, it's a three-day minimum. You Damn. book for three days because everything changes so much. Weather, barometric pressure, tides, bait, all that. It might take a day and a half or two days just to get dialed in sure. to where the big fish are and what the big fish are doing. So, you know, if you want a legitimate shot, that's what they say, you know, two, three-day minimum or else you're – kind of just rolling the dice. Oh, I'm just going to book one day. In fact, a lot of guys won't even book a one day trip. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I have my thoughts about that. Like, I think just, I mean, I guess for like, as far as paying for that, for that trip, like I I would, I haven't, I wouldn't have any problems taking, like we, we do redfish guided trips and I did a a trip with uh, Robert back in the day at Falcon Lake. Uh, I did some, um, some t-shirt printing work for him and and, and trade for a a guide trip. So I don't have any problems with that, but I, I feel like at, at Ivy or for that size fish, just me personally, I think I'd want it to, I'd want to go out on my own boat and, and try to boat that fish. But like, yeah. no, I have zero absolutely. problems against people with that mindset. I mean, even now, like now that we've, like you say, we've been doing this for over 10, 12 years now, 13 years, you know, throwing a lot of money at this. And a lot of times, like, you know, even now, like, I mean, I'm not, not that old, but like at 42, like I'm turning into a fair weather fisherman. I don't go out when it's, you know, raining and under 50 degrees. Like I'm just, you know, yeah. kind of in that space right now. So sometimes you wonder like, man, we, this could, we can do this for a lot cheaper if we just took guides out every time we wanted to go catch some bass, you know, it would be way cheaper than what we do. Sell think, the boats. Sell the boats. <laughs> just well, save that money. I mean, yeah. think about it. I know people personally that go down to the coast and I started thinking about this. You know, you go buy a boat nowadays, whether it's a bass boat, center console boat. I mean, used, new, whatever. I mean, to get something decent now, I mean, you're talking about 20 plus. Oh, yeah, probably closer to 30, 35 plus, you know. So you're talking about $35,000. Your boat payment, insurance and everything, you're going to be spending $800 to $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. You could pay, like if you want, if, if you like to go to Rockport and fish. You could go down there for one weekend a month, pay a guide for a Saturday trip, pay for your room and board, and pay for your food, and you could take a guided trip one day a month, 12 months out of the year (laughs) for what you spend on that boat. Yeah, and that's if you get lucky and you're able to store that boat at home. You're talking about storage. Boat storage and everything else. I mean, it gets expensive. Yeah, it sure does. So, yeah. So, but, you know, but, but. And then when you start thinking about that or you talk about that, so a lot of people will shy away from owning boats, but. 
um, you know, even when, when I was getting started or with, with the business or whatever, it wasn't much, I think people like, if you really want to do all of us come, you came from that talking about your first boat, Joe, I'm sure like mm. when you bought your first, it was always a struggle, but I think people find ways to do what they really love to do. Absolutely. So, so yeah, if anybody that listens to this wants to sell their boat and book a guy to trip in Rockport <laughs> every month, hit me up. <laughs> but going, going back to doing it yourself. Okay. So. If you took a guide trip out, you caught your PB, would that be, would you feel that was your fish? I wouldn't feel like that was my fish because he put me on that fish. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that, sense. That's just, that's just how I feel, though. Because no. I'm not I'm not the one that put the time in to go find it, to know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? But I he think, I think that. that's more of a tournament angler's thought than it mm. is, like, people that are hiring guides to go out. So maybe as a, I, like, I somebody, can see that. Yeah, somebody who's fishing tournaments and trying to find fish and, and you know, establish patterns. Like, that's a whole different mentality than somebody who's hiring Josh to take him out. You know what I mean? Like, because they just want to put a bend in the rod. They're not. Yeah. It, it, uh, so I guess it depends on what your background is, where you come from. I, and that's why I'm saying, I guess, me, with the time that I put into fishing, I'd, wa- I'd want to hook that fish yeah. out of my boat setting up on my spot or whatever with the bait that I picked. So, um, but if, if I was in somebody else's boat and I caught it, I, I'd, I'd still take credit for that 13 pounder. <laughs> I'm going to not be like, nah, I'm not going to talk about it. I still take it. that share lunker sticker. Oh, yeah. right? take that share well, lunker sticker. I, I remember when Joe and I did our first podcast, our first episode, if anybody listens to that, you kind of hear one of the things I said in the episode that is different in fishing than any other sport or game or whatever is i remember growing up playing all the sports and stuff if you wanted to get better at something you could just go hire somebody to teach you when i was playing baseball you could hire a hitting coach hire a pitching coach you could hire a golf pro you could hire whatever you wanted and they would teach you with no hesitation on oh man this guy might get better than me or this guy might you know come steal all my spots or whatever so there is a hesitation in fishing, but that's what intrigues me about the guide stuff with these guys at Ivy is not only would you have a chance at catching your PB, is just what you could possibly learn from a professional like that that does it all the time. So when you get on with these guides like that that charge that money, you know, not only are you having the shot at catching your PB, it's just what you could possibly learn from that person. So I guess you know, being a guy that's always wanting to learn, you take someone like Josh Jones, for instance, he's the hot guy in the business right now, him, Milliken, stuff like that, these, you know, live scope gurus or whatever. I mean, they've learned stuff with live scope that I might own live scope for the rest of my life and never figure out just because I'm not maybe a tech guy or I, I don't understand how it works. So, you know, that's intriguing to me. And I think paying that money is one of the reasons I guess in my mind I'm okay with it because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, what am I going to learn from this guy besides the fact that he's caught, what did he say? 75, 10 pound bass in the last two years. So, you know, just what he looks for, what he's looking at, you know? So I think when you pay that big money, there is something else that you're getting from it besides just, Hey, I'm trying to go catch a double digit. Yeah. yeah, and that like in on that thought, it's also I think that's also a tournament angler's mindset, right? Like, at the end of every tournament, you're if you don't win, you at least want to learn something that day. Or at the end of every anything that you go, even just a fun day of fishing, like I think a tournament angler minded is always trying to learn new things. So I think 
there might be people who get on that boat and their only thought for that day is a 13 plus, you know, a share longer. And then they leave and they never think about fishing again. But I think if, as a, if a tournament angler is going to jump in a boat with a Josh Jones person, who's these, these people are amazing. They catch a lot of hate. And I watched the, his podcast recently um, uh, with the Zaldanes and just, it's, it's amazing what he's done in it. And, and I think you touched on it when you're saying this is a sport, like it's different because there's so many other sports where you could just hire people to teach you and you can jump in a guide boat. And we, you know, being somebody who was, and you know, the reason I have a place on Falcon, I mean, Amistad's probably my favorite lake in the world. We talked about that earlier. It's the, my favorite. I, I don't ever leave mad from Amistad. Just one time, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Messing Fish with Joe. killer. Messing with Joe. <laughs> Um, we, me and Joe fished fun tournaments on Amistad together, and we've had some fun days just pre-fishing out there, just messing around. And then, no, no, no. But, but there, um, there was a time, though, <laughs> where I had him scared a little bit. He still won, though. Oh, yeah. But I had him scared. A little bit. <laughs> but, but Josh touched on it. You, you said you want to learn something at the end of that day. You're going to learn and being in a boat with a, an angler of that caliber. And the only reason, I guess what I'm getting at is it's the time that they put on in with these electronics. You know, he's not that good because he just understands he's a good tech guy. He's spent more hours than anybody can count staring at that screen and chasing these giant fish around. Yeah. So I, there's no, like from somebody like me who just, that's what I live for is, you know, big fish bite and any, and that doesn't say a lot. Every bass angler wants to catch big fish, but I feel like that's how I set up to fish all the time is for big ones. Um, but just time on the water is, I guess, you know, and even with the club, you know, I wanted to plug the club with that because I think, you know, at the end of every event, you want to learn stuff. Um, and with Elite, and even with our Open, like if you, we've had some successful Opens. We have lots of people come fish with us. We always have a good time. And Josh, you're always a great help in those events. You always buy the food, you cook, you you always bring a good time. And, and Just because I'm the fattest guy in the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um in, in our club, what that's one of the things we do because, you know, we do want to grow anglers and we want people to get better. And, and we, and we like to share about how we caught them that day. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's one of the things that kind of sets the lead apart from other clubs is that at the end of the tournament, you know, we don't need your GPS coordinates or whatever, but, um, you know, we do talk about the, how we caught them that day. It, so that it is nice to know, Hey, were you on a cranking bite? Were you on a chatterbait bite yeah. or a swim bait bite or, but you're right about that tournament angler mentality. I can't tell you, since I started fishing with the partner I have now, Kyle, we started fishing in 18 together. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times, well, pretty much every tournament, you leave Falcon or you leave Amistad, you've got a three-hour drive home. Mm-hmm. And if we're not riding together, we're on the phone for like an hour and a half of that three-hour drive just talking. Okay, so... What do you think? What did we do wrong? What could we have done different? Did we stay in this spot too long? You know, and here we are breaking down the whole tournament an hour after we just weighed in our fish because our minds are already rolling. Like what, what, what did we do next? Yeah. What would I do trip? next time? Oh, or yeah, what, yeah. Well, you know, why did we, uh, why did we not, you know, finish in the money or what, you know, and just, just breaking it down constantly, constantly. Yeah. And, and then, and it's good to have people in your, cir- in your circle like that, that you can call on and talk to and, and talk fish with. So, you know, kudos to y'all's podcast to, to do that and to, you know, to put some light on that. And, and then also just to let anglers know, again, touching on that thing that you're talking about other sports, it's just, it, it's time on the water. There's no replacement for it. And I used to think that it was just as a younger angler, I guess, or whatever, think that time on the water just meant like before the tournament, but now, you know, been fishing for over a decade now, 10 years, you realize time in the water is really like your overall, like how, like, you know, we've been fishing a long time now. So how many levels have we seen Falcon Lake now? How many different water levels have we seen Amistad? I mean, there's drains on Amistad that we've caught them on, 
you know, that were 25 feet out of water not that long ago. And now they're playing again because the lake is back up. So, you know, somebody who's only been fishing for, for a year would never even know that those spots exist to where the guys have been fishing 10, 15, 20 years. That's why they don't need to pre-fish or spend as much time. But overall, they have lots of time on the water, and there's just no replacement for that. No. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I noticed, because I, I'm not – I wouldn't consider myself natural, naturally like a – that guy like I don't like you know write things down and do you know try to figure out the whole analytics but I do go back and do some research and one of the things I noticed was over the last couple of years specifically like in the Bass Champs South Division because that's where we are in South Texas Choke, Falcon, Amistad I noticed over the last couple of years as the lake level dropped some of the names that started creeping to the top of the leaderboard kind of on a consistent basis were guys that have been doing it forever. Mm -hmm. Some of the quote unquote old timers or whatever that guys that were winning back in the late nineties, early two thousand stuff like that. And one of the things that kept going through my mind was, well, these are probably the only guys fishing this lake that have seen it at this level. Yeah. I've never fished Amistad 55 feet low. I mean, I didn't know where to go, what to do, what played, what didn't play. And those guys already have that in their memory bank because yeah. of that, the time, the years, the experience. Yeah, it's really, I, that's, what, that's what I feel is it, it's huge in bass fishing is just time on the water. So, Well, we see it in the club, Matt Rigby. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm yeah. dead serious. I mean, yeah. he is hands down one of the best fishermen I know. I mean, I'm pretty sure, it, I mean, his hair, you know, probably covers him up, but I'm pretty sure he's got gills behind his ears. Dude. People, people say that often about him. No, he's a great angler. He's a friend of mine. I hang out with him, you know, off on and off the water, and he's just he's just the next level angler. There's and there's really no way to explain it, you know, because um, he's talking, he's an open book, and he'll share what he does. And absolutely, um, and he's 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 a great person to know and to talk fish with. Um, but it's just you can't really explain what he does and how he finds what he finds. But it's but all again that, time on the water. He's been doing it a long, long time, well, and he's a natural at it. I know? remember the first time I really sat down and got to talking to him. Well, I mean, I knew why him. Is it, why isn't you being a guest on your show, man? Is he on the list? We just started. Okay. We just started. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, the first time I really got to sit down and hang out with him outside of a fishing setting, well, when we all went to that CCA banquet last year, mm -hmm. you and Marcus and Matt and myself and yeah. our wives all went and, you know, just sitting and talking to him and BSing and realizing that when he graduated high school and went to college, well, one, he went to college over in East Texas. Yeah. He took his boat with him. Yeah. So, I mean, he didn't play sports or anything. So his sport was fishing. So that guy lived and breathed out in East Texas, Sam Rayburn, Toledo Ben, And I mean, all, and you start thinking about it. Okay. He's this old. He's been fishing since this age. I mean, I mean, I can't, I, I can't even start to compute the days that he's been on the water. Sure. The amount of hours he's been on. And he's a natural. That's the other thing too. There's a lot of guys that have been fishing a long, long time. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't put together the type of bags that Matt seems to be able to put on every lake that guy goes to, you know, so he's just, and it's it, just, it's cool to watch. Though. And it's a huge, like, just compliment to just see it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And he, he's, he's definitely a, he's a special angler. And he, no, he, you, he won't let you tell him that. Like, he's oh, God, the most, no. one of the humblest guys I you, know. You but. tell, you, you can walk up to him right now and tell him, dude, you're the best angler I know. And he'll go, shut up, dude, or whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, but I think that's the reason is because he has the humility and the humbleness of 
you know, just just being a great person both on and off the water. Yeah, yeah. And I think those character those characteristics of being a good person translate into probably a lot of the reasons why he's a great fisherman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree hundred percent. Well Joe 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 spent some time and I haven't heard, you know, you asked me about my start. What about Joe start in California? You're you're a transplant dude. You're one of these infiltrating Californians coming in oh, taking our on. tech. Life. So my, my my star dude it I started off fishing trout. Okay. With my dad. Like that's when I can really remember. Where at? In Don Pedro. So like Central California. Okay. Like uh, rainbow trout? Yeah. Don't like, they use those for bait? Yeah. For the big bass? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you were fishing for bait. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you still is. So when I, was, when I was young, my dad brought me up. He had a ranger in night, like some 90s. You know, at the time I was cutting edge, though. Uh, had a ranger. We used to go bass fishing with him. Can't even remember, though. Spent more time underneath the, the, the console, the passenger console, or anything, you know, like my son does now. Started fishing for tr- trout when I was around. 12 to 14. That was my thing. Um, once I moved to Southern Cal, um, linked up with my cousin who had a bass boat. He had a Stratus. At that time, it was 2007. So, brand new Stratus boat, you know, small. That's SoCal, right? Yeah. See, I'm getting yeah. my lingo, yeah. dude. I got, I, got, I got SoCal. I got Givada with the game. <laughs> I, I got it all. And, uh, dude, he took me out on this little lake uh, in Palmdale, California. It was called Little Rock Dam. And, uh, that's how I started, dude. And I was throwing for trout stuff, trying to catch bass, and quickly found out that I was retarded for doing that. But <laughs> hey, it is what it is. I was getting a line wet. And uh, after that, um, started going on to uh, Lake Casitas. Uh, that's a big lake in California. People know about it. Um, so I got to fish on that a few times, but didn't take it serious. And then started fishing Castake and Piru. Uh, just fun fishing with him. And then stopped fishing for a couple of years. Actually, uh, got into a little argument and uh, decided I needed some time on the water. So I went to Pyrrha one day and I just jacked him. Just four, five, six. Like I just, he, he couldn't believe it. He's like, are you practicing? I'm like, no, dude. It just, I don't know, drop shots, not hard to do, you know? <laughs> so uh, after that, he was like, hey, do you want to be my tournament partner? I don't have one this year. So. And this was your cousin? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, he's killing it right now. Yeah. He still fishes, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's uh, him and uh, Jonathan Demon out there, man, just killing it on the ABA circuit. Nice. And, uh, you know, that's how I kind of got involved, started fishing, like, local tournaments there, and uh, caught the bug, nice. you know. And uh, once I moved here, it was kind of a, like, let me bring that stuff. And it was cool because once I went to Medina, you know, once the water was up, it was, like, clear water. I'm used to clear water, deep, yeah. deep stuff, deep structure. And I was like, okay, this the same stuff that I do in California can play here. Yeah. Didn't you catch a good one recently on Medina? Yeah. Well, how big? Yeah. Ten. A ten? Appar- apparently, Clint said it was a ten. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a ten. I gotta go back in my pictures. I don't. I'm not trying to lie. You ought to weigh it. We we weighed it, but okay. I just don't remember, dude. It was last. I don't know when April or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. You catch so many tens, you don't remember when you I catch them no, anymore. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> Must be nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, getting back to it, dude. It was a. Uh, it was definitely. An eye-opening experience. I didn't know how Amistad was. Yeah. You know? And when I went to choke the first time, that was the first lake I actually hit when I when I moved here. And I went out there. I didn't know about grass. You know, I was still throwing a drop shot. Yeah. And at the time, I had the tracker with no graph on it. Yeah. You know, so I didn't know how deep it was or nothing like that. And uh, it was just small fish other small fish. And 
you know, now putting the time in the water here in these lakes in Texas, you know, it's actually, I'm starting to get a lot better. Thanks, Kevin. A lot better angler fishing with you, honestly. Yeah. If, I mean, if I can go back and thank somebody, it'd be you. Oh, I mean, appreciate it. Amnesty, Travis, Lake Austin. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, you, you know, you help me grow. Yeah. You know, time in the water. Um, being in the back of the boat, for sure. Like, yeah, we had, we had some good days on Amistad. We had oh, some yeah. Oh, high 20s days. Oh, and some night, you know. You should have been there, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> My phone it, never rang. Oh, dude, it, it's, been a, it's been a blast, you know. <laughs> and there was one tournament, that tournament, you know, I fished it with Eddie. And you were fishing with Westall. We didn't have a bite till noon. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, like, I'm doing the same shit I did in practice, you know. And then I don't know where right at noon, that's when... I caught the seven and the two for like same, the ca- same, same the, cast. The same bait, right? Same bait. Top water. Mm-hmm. Yep. Zara spook, you know, bone color. And uh, just caught them both at the same time. After that, that's when it was just like fresh and it was good. Yeah. Started the day over again. And then we came in with a good bag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time that I was like, you know what? I got, I got Mike. I got Mike for sure, you know? And uh, he actually pulled up to the ramp on me. And I, you know, he asked what I had. I was like, I got like a seven. And he already had all of his stuff pretty much put away. I don't know where he gets up out of the driver's seat and just makes a right and starts fishing the bank. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, no, you've caught a seven, dude. I'm scared now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it just keeps fishing for the next half five, hour. Yeah, it was like 30 minutes left. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I cut my teeth at, man. Um, nice. California, back in Texas. Now you're hanging with us in the club and yeah, I mean, doing a podcast with Josh and yeah, good, I mean, good I, stuff, man. I had to take a break, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, life's, dude, it, it, you know. Oh, yeah, you got young, I mean, you've got young kids, you're married, you're yeah. working for a living, like, yeah. you're, you're a weekend angler, man. Like, like all of us exactly. are. Like, we're all putting in, we're all putting in good hours of work. You hey, know dude, what I, mean? I, <laughs> I know we joke about you not working, Mikey G, but you put in enough hours over the last 15 years owning your own business you've earned a little bit of time yeah i appreciate that man yeah because i beat myself up about a lot you know and uh um you know i I started my business in 2004 and and uh for the first 15 years it was like my nose to the grindstone and then these last few years i've just been trying to step back a little bit and and my i got great employees i mean i i and my wife has just been she's just she's she's amazing like i brag about my wife my buddies know like I got a few drinks in me. I smoke a little bit. And the first thing that I started doing is bragging because she's amazing. You know, she's she's my best friend. We've been together since 97 and she lets me fish and we're business partners and life partners and whatever else you want to call that. So she uh, she's she's amazing. But, yeah, I don't I honestly don't but work you that much anymore so, <laughs> as much as I should. But, you, but then I'm working on the house like Casa Pescador. I, I also so I don't I, think it's I don't think it's that you don't work as much anymore. So my the, the guy that owns the business that I work at my yeah. Monday through Friday, eight to five job. He's been in business since 95 or 96 yeah. and started it from nothing and has grown it to an unbelievable business that it is now. And he and I sit and have conversations all the time about, you know, the work and the job and how things are changing and all that. And one of the things that I told him when I first started working there and he, 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 he never lets me forget it, but, and I think it's true. Because he goes, man, this business is my baby. It's yeah. my baby. But one of the things I used to always tell him is, your business is your baby. It's like your kid. But you don't treat your 25-year-old kid the yeah. same way you treated your 2-year-old kid. Yeah. Because things grow. Things adapt. So 
I don't think it's that you don't work as hard or don't work as much. It's the way you're working now is different than the way you had to work 15 years ago when you started the business. Yeah. And it was, and so that's, and I realize that and I feel that, and I know that that to be true, but sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to back. Like when you work that, I mean, I worked hard for a lot of years to get where I'm at now. And so it's hard just to, to accept the lifestyle where you don't have to be on press all day long or sweating in the back. So, and that's, and that's why you're successful. Sure. Yeah. But, you and, know. but I, and I, and I miss it and I'm torn between it. So I'm in a weird spot right now where I have, I need to be fishing more and I want to fish more. That's my only other passion outside of my family and stream printing um, is, is fishing. Skating. You know? and, well, Skating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, but I appreciate that because yeah, it's been, I've started, yeah, this is year 18 for us. And then, you know, we're, we're uh, yeah, it's just, things are good, man. And it's, it's, it's provided us a really great life. And I think there's not another thing that I could have done in my life that would have ever given me this much freedom. So I encourage people and if you have a dream or a passion and there's a there's an avenue to make money doing it like and then start young you know that's but people ask me like well how did you do it or like how like I, I didn't know any better when i started building my when i started my business i was like 19 years old my official business like commercial location opened at 24 but i think i was 19 20 when i knew i wanted to print you know so i think that not knowing was was a good plug into that so and it's and it's allowed me to fish like and then a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of pros how many pros do you see that you see that their businesses or small businesses support their their fishing and and i'm not at that level nowhere near that um but but honestly yeah like the business supports my fishing habits for sure and i think that's one thing that people don't ever take into or i don't want to say people don't ever take into consideration because uh, they do. But one of the things that I don't think a lot of outsiders outside of the fishing world and the fishing community look at or see is, yeah, we see Kevin Van Dam, Gerald Swindle, you know, Mike Iaconelli, these guys at the top of the sport. And don't get me wrong, but they are the 10 percenters. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the guys that truly make a living just off of fishing. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of find intriguing like with the new league starting up the national professional fishing league that's you cool. know? yeah and what i like about that is i mean dude you go look at any of those guys except for the few elite series pros like patrick walters and some of the other guys that fish it just because they have time to fish it but yeah 99 of those guys that fish that tour i mean they are they're just working men mm -hmm. you know and they've carved out enough time in their schedule or have a job that allows them to fish the six tournaments a year and they're passionate about it. So they go do it. So I feel like the, I think that's why I'm intrigued by that tour and I like it. And I definitely try to support it and watch it and stuff is because I feel like any of those guys, and this is true for the other leagues too, Bass and MLF and all the top tours. But I truly feel like any of those guys that you see, especially like on the NPFL, I mean, one of those guys could be sitting next to me at the local Chili's sitting at the bar, having sure. a beer or sitting, you know, and it's yeah. not like, because that's just they're 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 normal people just like us yeah yeah for sure and even us like you know doing what we do like fishing as much as we fish and how much how much money we throw at our hobby like and because fishing is a very expensive sport you know i don't think it takes half the money we throw at it and half the stuff we have we probably don't use you yeah, know yeah but um but yeah i mean it's 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 definitely i mean we're bass heads like you said that earlier yeah. in the show like we're we're about like we're about this life, dude. Like we're not posers. Like yeah, we, exactly. if, you, if you look at how much money has been withdrawn from my bank account over the last three okay. or four years for bass fishing, if it's, you, it's, if you it's saw, ridiculous, if my you know? wife, well, luckily my wife doesn't care what money I spend, but yeah. yeah, if, if the normal person saw my 
tackle warehouse receipts and my yeah. fish tackle marine, you know, receipts every yeah. time. I mean, because like Will, you know, he's fortunate enough. He lets us host his podcast. So I don't want to say I ever feel obligated because Will never felt anybody like that. But me yeah. as a person, every time I walk in here, I'm like, you know what? If I can buy one bait off the rack, yeah. hey, it's it's going to something. And I know where my money's going. So yeah. that's what I like about the that small business, that hometown, that camaraderie. Yeah, for sure. And same, you know, just with our business, we always appreciate when uh, when people shop local because you know, if, if there's you can find anything online. You could order t-shirts online. You could you could we could get on a website right now and have t-shirts on their way. You know, in 30 minutes. But you know, the people that choose to work with us and and to continue to support small business. And I, I always push people and my friends like, dude, check with Will before you go anywhere else because he's local, man. Like when you buy at his shop, like. I, we know that that money is going, we know what kids are being fed off the money we, That's you right. know, so just support the local stuff. And even like, even before Will was here, like I, I, I would always be like, how do people not go to the, like the local, and I get it, they're big corporate companies, but you know, we don't want Bass Pro Shops or like, you know, Dick's got rid of their whole fishing section, you know what I mean? Like, because people were just ordering online. So, and that's whatever, you know, feel how you want to feel about like the bigger corporations. But when you have somebody like Will or the other local shops in town, like check with them before you order your stuff anywhere else, you know? Yeah, no doubt. But kind of back to like the fishing thing, you know, (laughs) we kind of go off on our tangents. I get it. But back to the fishing, like Joe, you were talking about, you know, being from California. And I think that's cool because even though you're Texas now, you know, being from California, myself being born and raised, you know, Texas, you know, when people think about bass fishing and I just assume this, I don't I don't know 100 percent, but I feel like when someone thinks about bass fishing, they think about Texas, they think about California, mm-hmm. and they think about Florida. Yeah. And I mean, we're fortunate enough. We have some, you know, we have people that have lived and breathed fishing in both of those states on the podcast. So hopefully that translates with some people and, you know, can resonate some in the fishing community. Now we just need somebody from Florida on here and right. we got this whipped. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. see, like California right now, like, I don't know about right now. When I was there, it was drop shot, Texas rig, Senko swim bait and a jig if you had those three or four or whatever you're good that's all you needed really cranking yeah there was cranking but not like a big thing honestly you know not that, not like cranking the ledges on kentucky lake yeah. or cranking ledges you know deep cranking down here at falcon, falcon and stuff lake, is yeah. big you know we'll see and then that's and that's one thing that i do need to get better at because i haven't did much of it especially because I never did it really, you know, uh, the first time I actually did it was when Mike took me to Falcon when we met that trip. That was the first time I ever really went cranking. And I was using, actually using my swim bait rod for it. <laughs> I, you know, it's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, trying to translate But, but even just talking about that, like, I mean, there's, you know, it, there's it, even within the sport, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You, you, I remember, I remember watching YouTube videos when I was really wanting to learn how to crank because I just saw the kind of fish that, you know, big crankbaits would put out, you know, the Keith Combs and the Kevin Van Dams and, and all those guys that are great crankbait fishers, the David Fritz, like if you keep going back to the older school guys, just the size fish that normally bite. Yeah, a Paul deep Elias. Crank. Yeah, exactly. Know. At Falcon when they were catching these monster bags, you know. But then you would see YouTube videos where you started hearing guys talking about cranking with with their uh, flipping rods. Like, oh, you don't want a glass rod. You want to feel everything. So, um, you know, even to those younger anglers, too, I guess, you know, or like learning how to crank. You're saying, I need to do that more. Like, yeah, everybody talks about a glass rod. But it's it's just funny when you hear people, you know, deep cranking with a, from a flipping stick all the way to the most limber glass rod. It's all about what feels right in your hand. And 
confidence. I think like the biggest thing in fishing is just having something in your hand that you have confidence in. And, you know? and it, it's learning what works for you. Exactly. You yeah. know, it's no it's no different than baseball. Not every not every hitter in the MLB uses the same bat. Absolutely. Not yeah. not every golfer uses the same set of golf clubs, and there's a reason for that because everybody's a little different. Mm-hmm. What you know, we <laughs> my partner and I have talked about this numerous times. You talk about sensitivity of rods. You know, you have these all these great parabolic blend. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, you have all these great rod manufacturers from Kistler to G Loomis to, I mean, I here here I am going blank, but you yeah. know, all these high end rods, and oh, we're the most sensitive. You know, we had Clinton on, you know, with the, tri- trica, the new Trica yeah. rods. You know, most sensitive. But I started thinking about that, and I was like, you know, at what point? does the sensitivity not matter anymore? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, my, my hand, what I hold and what I feel in a rod, isn't what you feel, Joe, and isn't what you feel, Mike. Yeah. yeah. So my rod's a lot different. (laughs) (laughs) Back to fishing, back to fishing. (laughs) But you know, so like, you know, at what point does it, okay, this 200 rod, this $200 rod feels just as good as the $500 rod because I've gotten to that point to where I don't, I don't, I can't tell the difference anymore. Just like eyesight, you know, my eyesight can only be so good. I can't sure. see any better now because I've got this glass on instead of this, you know, it gets to that point. So, and I bring that up saying like, when you talk about people that are getting into it, watching YouTube videos, you know, as much information as you can get from these guys, the same crankbait rod that Keith Combs uses throwing that six SD down at Falcon, you might hate it. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, so I do encourage people, especially, you know, people that I guide and stuff like that. I encourage people to you. It is a little bit of a trial and error, pro, error process. I mean, the crankbait rod you like might might not be the same crankbait rod I like. And but we might both be able to get the job done. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if it, the there right is there. there's a lot of personal preference. I didn't sure. mean to cut you off there, but no, know, a, lot of, a lot of personal preference involved in fishing. Yeah, I remember one time just watching an old classic. Um, a, a guy named Jamie Fralick was flipping a uh, because I remember when drop shot came on the scene, everybody was using an open face rod, and everybody like that's how you drop shot it. Like you didn't do it with a bait caster. Well. You know, I, I feel like I, I just felt like with a baitcaster, you had like, especially fishing lakes like Dunlop and Lake Austin, you had more, you could more precise with your drop shot, like flipping at docks and stuff like that. And I remember telling people that and they were just like, what, you, you drop shot with a bait? And not a lot of people did. It. And then they started calling it like power shotting. It wasn't drop shotting, you were power shot, you know. But I remember, uh, I think it was like a 2011 classic way back in the day, seeing a guy named Jamie Fralick. I don't know why I always remember his name, but it's because he was flipping uh, uh, stems, what do you call it, lily pad stems with a drop shot and a bait caster. I was like, I knew it. Other people, like, it's not wrong to do that. No. That's what I'm getting at. But, it, but it, then he talked about that, too. It was, it was just basically what it allowed him to do with the drop shot. was He couldn't do that with an open face reel. All that to say... Do what feels right for you. Yeah, you know, I get. And, what, and what's crazy about Freilich is he's a South Dakota dude. Yeah, you know, like the last couple of years, Bassmaster's gone up to Lake Oahe and stuff. Yeah. Like that's his. Is stomping he still in the grounds. games? Nope, he yeah. doesn't fish professional. Well, I don't know if he's still in the industry or not, but, but he not doesn't fish any of the major yeah, tours yeah. I think anymore. He was like second on one of the big class, like on the red. It was a Red River. I don't know if it was twenty eleven. It was back in the day, but I just remember. Is that the one Skeet one? Probably, and yeah. I remember he was leading maybe or the first day. But it, what stuck in my mind about that tournament is he was flipping reed pad stems with a drop shot on a bait caster and i was like cool other people like that's not wrong to do it's like music you know i grew up playing music as well there's no 
There's no right or wrong guitar, right? Do what feels right, man. Do what feels right. So, yeah, there's no wrong guitar. I guess basically that it don't matter. Just whatever rod feels good in your hand. Yeah, that's my wife said. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I married a girl with small hands. Family show, it dude. is. Well, no, I marked explicit right. on the, there on, you the go. on the podcast. On the podcast. Yeah. So uh, KVD's retiring, dude. I know. I'm sad. Yeah. So actually, I was talking to a buddy of mine that I fished down at the coast with. It's actually kind of a new friendship. He and I just, you know, got introduced actually back in August. So you, uh, you know, we've uh, been a little chilling. bromance. My wife thinks that she's like, "Are you talking to him again?" And I'm like, yes, I am. Calm down. 2 a.m. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about KVD, you know, when he announced his retirement. And we were like, both of the things we said was, I always kind of had a feeling in the back of my mind, or maybe it was a hope that he would come back and try to win another classic. Oh, yeah. To, I was waiting for the day to, that he to came get back number to five. Oh, yeah. Because he's got four. And I mean, I understand why, you know, being so deep with Johnny Morris and Bass Pro and they're so big in the MLF and stuff. And Hey, that's awesome. But I always kind of thought, you know, is his competitive side going to make him go for number five? Because he's tied at four with Clun. Yeah. So, you know, just to get that. The fact is, isn't Rick Clun still fishing? Rick Clun still fishing. So then that kind of makes KVD kind of a bitch to retire this young. No, no. (laughs) I mean, Rick Clun's like 974 or something like that. Yeah, but he just wants to spend time with his kids, though. Well, I, I don't think it's so much that. It's the one thing. So being a golfer, I compare KVD to Tiger Woods. Yeah. You know, Tiger Woods has done more for the game of golf than anybody. KVD has done more for competitive bass fishing, tournament bass fishing, just bass fishing in general. Or I shouldn't say more than anybody because honestly, probably Bill Dance has done more for fishing. You're you're talking about modern era though. But you know, modern era, the tournament bass fishermen, I mean, waking up and watching Bassmaster shows or watching the MLF or whatever. I mean, the diehard tournament guys, you know, Kevin's done more for us probably than anybody as far as bringing tournament bass fishing to the mainstream. Sure. And so, you know, he, he's still going to be so involved in the industry. I can only imagine, you know, you know, he's still going to show up at the classic. He's still going to be at red crest. He's still going to be, you know, probably just more on the, not production side, but more on the, just marketing, the advertisement, the everything. Yeah. Everybody, well, you know, it's weird. I think Josh, like guys like me and you, like, I mean, Joe, do you, are you like a big KVD fan or you're kind of like, oh, I kind of know who he is no, or like my, my arrow. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm getting at. That's the only answer I need. I don't mean to cut you <laughs> off, but I'm just saying like, there's younger guys in the club where I bring up like KVD and Ike and Ellie or even Paulinic. Well, Paulinic probably, cause he started the whole basically like modern cameras following him around everywhere yeah, right yeah. like he's kind documenting. of like, documenting his life on on tour you know um and we talked about that when you like a little while ago that that like i remember seeing him at that 2011 i think it was 2011 classic when he was well i mean it was his first professional and he almost won the tournament and he was fishing right there next to, well a lot of people were fishing that late yeah. at the end of that tournament but kvd won but paul nick was there with him i remember there was a fog delay and i remember when the fog delay lifted i remember hearing paul nick talk about like oh damn if kvd is here i'm on the right spot you know yeah. or whatever 
Um, but um, just I'm basically what I was getting at, like all these name drops that I do with some of these younger anglers, especially in the club, they're like, who are you talking about, dude? Who's KVD? Who's who's Iconelli? And I'm like, and I sometimes I pull my hair. I'm like, what? You don't know. These are like legends, dude. Like Jason, J- Jason, Jason, who? Jason Christie? Like, yeah. it's, it's, well, and it's, it's it's just but it's a it's a new I mean, things, you know, we're getting like old, I dude. like I old. bring it back to the golf term, you know, <laughs> yeah. in my heyday, it was Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Yeah, that was the deal. Just like in NASCAR, everybody was Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt yeah. But then Jeff Gordon shows up, Jimmy Johnson shows up. You go ask a young kid about NASCAR, and his favorite driver is probably not Dale Earnhardt anymore. Sure. You know, yeah, it's exactly. nobody knows who they are. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're old, and old if they know. only knew, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was going to be the late Aaron Martin thing. Oh yeah, Aaron Martin's for me it was Aaron Martin, Skeet Reesey from. And that's the West Coast type, probably, yeah, right? West Coast. Yeah, well, you're from California. And yeah. I would go to Bassathon every year that they had right yeah. there in Anaheim. And yeah. that's where they were doing their performance. I, uh, Gerald Swindle, there, he was there once. Yeah, but you're still kind of dating yourself yeah. with those names, dude. Because yeah, like some of the guys in the club that I talked to, they don't even know who those guys are. You yeah. know? So you're, kind of, you're an old soul is what you are. How old are you? <laughs> 32. Oh, yeah, you're an yeah. old soul is what I it is. I feel like I'm 80, though. There you go. You look like you're 80. <laughs> yeah, <I feel> like <laughs> See, and what's funny is when – when you started naming off those names, you know, Ish and Aaron and stuff, you know, me being a, you know, looking back, you know, when I think West Coast, one of the guys that I always think about is Ayler. Oh, yeah. Brent Ayler, that's my, you know. Like, dude, I'm, that's, listen, I got a kind of a man crush on Ayler. Dude. Yeah. Like, if you want to make this show juicy, dude, we could talk about man crushes if you want to. <laughs> I don't comment on any angler stuff on Facebook. But when an Ailer puts something out, I'm like, hey, boo, I'm looking yeah. at you. <laughs> it, it's because he originally started off in a champion. My yeah. son's a champion. It's just, And then you got you got the Chuck Taylors or Nikes. Mike wears Nikes all the time. That's, that's true. Why. And Chucks. <laughs> Chucks. Yeah, Mikey's yeah. wearing Chucks now. Oh, yeah. I've got my black Chucks on, See, dude. How, that's what it is. Is there any of the shoes on the market? <laughs> yeah, there has been for the last 45 years. <laughs> This is what I ball in, dude. I'm about to go play basketball after this, and I still play in Chuck Taylors, dude. Yeah. I mean, but think about it, Ayler. If anybody can fish in Taylors and skinny jeans, he's in it. No, yeah. No, but he is, tr- I mean, truly one of the, I feel one of the, I don't know, like, what, and I know you're, great. you're coming to, I guess, the end of your podcast, I think, is what we said a little while ago, but top three to finish off the show. Top three anglers of all time? Yeah. Or like who I follow the most. Yeah, I mean, maybe not all time, just from your era, you know, from when since you've been in the game, you know, like who do you feel top three is? KVD, Ike, and hmm, those are my top two. And I think it's probably more so just because of the uh, – just because of like Ike just because of the drama. Yeah. Not necessarily good drama or bad drama or whatever, but just entertaining. The in just the brought. energy and the yeah. entertainment that he brings to the sport. And I mean, I can KVD's number one by far just because in my mind he's the goat. He's yeah. the Tom Brady mm-hmm. of yeah. bass fishing. Absolutely. As far as competitive tournament bass fishing, yeah. not just bass fishing in general. Tournament bass fishing, KVD, Ike, and ooh, man, dude, the third one's tough. Yeah. Matt, you know, Matt <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I do what I notice is being a Texas boy like I am. I do have a tendency to follow, keep tabs on the Texas guys like yeah. Todd Faircloth, Keith Combs, you know, mm-hmm. guys like that that have been around for a long time. You know, one of my favorite anglers that I follow more than anybody is Todd Castledine. He doesn't even fish the pro tour, you know, yeah. but he's straight up Sam Rayburn. He's Texas boy, you know, so. 
But as far as tournament bass fishermen, KVD, Iconelli, and probably Jason Christie. Yeah, yeah, Jason Christie, nice. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm at KVD all time bass bass angler tournament angler, like you said. Um, and I man, I'd have to be with there with you with Ike. I think you know just what he brought to the sport. He was kind of like the happy Gilmore of like you know bass competitive bass fishing. Yeah. You know, in his time, you know if you know who he is and what he did for the I mean, sport. He had flames on his jersey. Yeah, exactly. He break dance on the boat. Yes, like that, yeah. That, yeah. that was cool. And then, but yeah, Ayler. I think with it's. I think it's a tie between. I actually think that Ayler would probably be yeah him and Iconelli would be second or third. But I don't even know who's better. Yeah. But and then, you know Ayler because he's done it in every in, like a lot of the guys were just elite guys, but Ayler's dominated in every like that's what was so cool about Ayler is everybody in the FLW in the West Coast knew who Ayler was I had no idea who Bren Ayler was until the first year he fished the Elite Series and all of a sudden yeah. he wins a tournament he's yeah. competing for the Classic yeah. at Conroe I mean he's just like oh where'd man, this guy was, come from yeah I was pulling him so so hard at, when he when he fished Conroe when we, me and my wife and kids went to that tournament oh yeah and watched and that's when Jordan Lee broke down and won on that that see, whatever he won you know but hey that's fishing dude and Some, see in all reality thinking about my top three now Jordan Lee should probably be in there mm-hmm. but I think because of my age, yeah. you know, and I'm not that old, I'm 36, but being such a fan from such a young age, yeah. you know, Jordan Lee and the Jacob Wheelers and stuff have come in since my passion has already been created. Sure, you know? same with me. Like, I think now today, a lot of people would agree that probably Wheeler is probably the top angler in the world. Absolutely. It's like John Cox, you know what I mean? Like, those guys just dominate. And, and without the electronic, you know, John Cox, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother It's a whole nother episode. Yeah, exactly. What about but, you, Slover? What I'm are gonna, your three? I'm going to go Mike and Ellie, Aaron Martins, Brandon Politic. Wow. But Gerald Swindle, because Gerald Swindle helped me out more in life being positive and everything and mike knows this like dude i was down see and, and that but no bullshit though dude i i watched a seminar that that swindle did about being positive change your life oh dude nice you started getting the positive mental attitude going with the with a little rubber band going dude yeah. and i actually did it and and like, see now with it, dude. and now i feel like such a dope you know because i'm put on this podcast and you're trying to think on the fly and i'm sitting here thinking how did I not think about Paul Linick? How did I not yeah. think about Jordan Lee? You know, yeah. but it's, I, you know, outside of KVD being the goat of all time, I mean, God, there's probably 10 guys that are just lumped in in that. Oh, there's, you know, there's, yeah, there's a top 10 that are pretty equal, but I would agree that KVD is probably the best of all I'm gonna time. Throw, I'm going to throw a new guy in there, Matty Wong. Oh, I don't know. Being a West Coast guy. Yeah. Second year on the tour, going to be this year. Yeah. Ventura Bass Club started fishing in 2018. And is already on the tour. Yep, nice. won the nation championship yeah. in like yeah, an eighty-five won. ranger from Hawaii. Yeah, no. wow. It was a ninety ranger or a ninety ranger. Yeah, with an old Yamaha on it. Yeah, yeah. Still did it. See, then you know, but now we're talking about what about Steve Kennedy? You know, yeah. what about that story? What about you know how that guy dominated out of aluminum boat and only went to a fiberglass boat because he had to. he had to because yeah. to fish the FLWs. And was just taking people's money out of a forty horsepower bass tracker, bass tracker whatever you know. Like, and then you, know, you, you start thinking about the Greg Hackneys and the people who don't even need electronics. You know, the John Coxes. Like, it's a uh, it's it's a cool sport, man. And it, it's very entertaining and it's fun. And it's cool to keep up with. And uh, but yeah, like we started this talking about the KVD retirement, and it's kind of like you know, it's like I I grew up a Spurs fan, so it's like you know, 
I watched Robinson retire, and then you, you yeah. know Duncan was going to be around forever. He was never going to retire. Now he's an old guy. Nobody even knows who I he know, is. I know, and I'm know, still which... sitting here thinking about the big three. You know, <laughs> Ginobili. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? exactly. So, but no. So I mean, I guess we'll see what you know the fishing industry has in store for KVD. I definitely don't feel like he is going anywhere. I think he'll I mean, come back. I think he'll come back to the Elite Series. So this is one of the things I thought was interesting was he announced his retirement before the year started. And he is going to do – They're not. I mean, it's not a farewell tour or whatever, but one last season of competitive fishing. So what I thought was kind of ironic about that is he's doing his last season, but he fishes on the MLF, on the, you know, on the Bass Pro Tour – and they don't have weigh-ins hmm. or they don't have, you know, so there's not, I mean, how could you, I, I just think about this. If he still fished the elite series, the tournament that's happening, the first tournament of the year at Okeechobee, if all those people knew that was going to be KVD's last time coming to Okeechobee, oh, oh there, there'd be a thousand people yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, so that's the only kind of thing that I'm like, man, I get it. He's, he's doing it. And, yeah, it's going to be all over social media and people are going to be posting pictures and all that. But like, you know, there's no way in. So I I just wonder how much people are actually going to get to enjoy it and get to see it, yeah. you know, Kind of like firsthand. a basketball player, a baseball player, kind of like at their the last stadium, you know, waving as yeah, they go into exactly. the Yeah, exactly, in front of 30,000, 80,000 people, whatever yeah, it is. It wouldn't be that for a bass angler, but it would be in a crowd of 500 to 1,000 people that, that oh, yeah. follow the sport. You know what I mean? That would Dickies, be out there to support that. Probably in the Dickies Arena. At the Dickies every, Arena, yeah. Every, yeah. every stop. Yeah, because, I mean, they talk about the Elite Series. They go to the Sabine River. They're going back this year. And, I mean, the Sabine River draws unbelievable crowd. crowds. And which is crazy because the Sabine River is not, not that great. No, it's fishing is terrible there. Yeah. Dude, you're, you're fishing for 12 pounds. Like, it's a good yeah. day on the so, Sabine River. But I'm know? sitting here thinking the Sabine River has, you know, however many, you know, 800, 1,000 people showing for the weigh-in. The Sabine River's roughly 35, 40 minutes from Houston. You're an hour, hour and a half south of San Rayburn, Toledo Bend. I mean – if KVD was coming there for the last time, dude, there'd be a couple thousand people there. Yeah, yeah, easily, man, easily. No, but big news, like that was that was a big deal. What else is happening in the bass fishing world, dude? Man, or in the yeah, Josh, you're a saltwater guy. What's up in the saltwater world, dude? Man, right now, as far as uh, tournaments and stuff like that, uh, saltwater legend series. Captain Chad Pederick at a Corpus runs it every year. It's getting ready to kick off their first tournament of the season. They have. They usually draw 35, 40 boats, but it's big entry fee. It's like $1,200 a team to fish. Damn. First place, usually like 30 grand, something like that. I mean, they they fish for big money. So that's getting ready to start. And right now, really down on the coast is people are chasing the trophy trout. January, February. You know, are, are, everybody... they, are they live scoping them? No. <laughs> no. No, yeah. Is life, does, I don't know anything about saltwater, but does, does life scope play in saltwater? It has not hit the saltwater. No. All right. Not until mine gets on my boat. <laughs> We're going to try Will it, it play? We're going to try it out. It'll play in the saltwater? Either? I don't know. Okay. You know, that just, the live scope deal just goes back to, you know, most of the time you're fishing in waist-deep water. So I don't know how much the live scope can play. My main thought process behind it is structure. Structure. Yeah. How much faster can I find bait? Sure. Yeah. Or when the fish are deeper, like catching the big bull reds on the jetty, stuff like that, you know, yeah. are you going to be able to track those fish and stuff? I mean, 
Is any know. so is, are there guys with live scope on their saltwater boats already? As far as you, seen? not that I've seen. No, all right, cool. At least so. know, no, at least know that you're throwing it. Something I feel like that's the big life. I mean, I, I I haven't got it to work yet because I'm terrible with electronics and, and anything technology like literally hates me. So, but I, I mean, I'm trying to get my hummingbird. I'm, I'm, I've always I've, I like hummingbird, but yeah, I'm trying to use it. But it's not so much to scope fish; it's more to just see structure better. I, yeah, I listened to uh, actually on the way over here. I was listening to Mercer, uh, one of the other mule uh, Dave Mercer, the MC for Bassmaster his podcast and he had Bradley Hallman on and Hallman was talking about, cause he's been a Garmin guy since the beginning. So he had one of the original live scopes and stuff. And one of the things he was talking about is when he first got it, not even being good enough to see fish with, but just being able to know exactly where that brush pile is. And yeah. instead of pulling up to a spot, making eight casts until you finally hit the right spot, you're hitting yeah. the brush pile on the first cast. Exactly. So just the efficiency of it. So that's kind of what I'm hoping on the saltwater side is I can, you know, follow, you know, the grass edges, stuff like that, you know, of similar to bass fishing. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. what I'm hoping to see if Finding it'll translate. Isolated grass as well, right? Like we've like, yeah. we heard a lot of bass guys talking about that. Like, man, if I had scope and I could see the isolated patches away from the mats and stuff like that, like that would, mm-hmm. be, that would be huge. So, and even like we were talking about Ivy earlier. I remember the, I've only been to Ivy once for an, uh, one of our club tournaments with Elite. And that was something that, like, we kind of side scanned some stuff, and we saw what we were th- thinking we were going to throw at. And my buddy uh, Richard had uh, the 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 Lawrence version, whatever that one's called, the live. Mm-hmm. And uh, just looking at the spots, seeing our waypoints, but then with the live, you know, realizing really quick that we were about twenty feet off the real juicy stuff, you know. Yeah. And as soon as we threw it, what we realized, like, hey, adjust your cast, you know, twenty feet to the right, he catches like an eight pounder like on the first cast so that's the thing like you could drop waypoints on a ledge or whatever but that scope really like oh that's the juice yeah, you know what i mean sure. like that's like you'll find it's gonna help and you know and there's especially with our club we have a lot of old timers and a lot of these guys they they hate the thought you know and it's it's just completely cheating or whatever everybody's so it seems mixed about it but i think that's what it's gonna do it's just gonna help you find the spots with you know you hear the old timers talk about it you know the spot within the spot, the spot you know I mean? and just uh, just that that target recognition acquiring the target and being able to hit it consistently because yeah you used to pull up and oh yeah i know that brush pile's here and you make 10 casts you hit it one time mm-hmm. now i'm hitting it every time sure so you know instead of oh i caught one fish out of this brush pile hell i caught five of them sure. out of it yeah. or even to know if there's fish around it or bait around yeah. it like you're not going to spend the first three hours of a tournament on a brush pile like we used to there, nothing was there when there's no fish one you know that's, I mean? that's so, what i use it for yeah you know this year is my first year that i had it yeah, and that's what I use it for. Pull up on the spot, see if there's fish there. Activity, there is, right? All right, come back to it around slowly, and get De- off of it. Definitely makes pre-fishing a lot more efficient. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 basically I, it's going to be a whole better version of what I remember. Like we're that old. Like we remember when side scan came on the scene yep. and KVD started showing in. Like, dude, now you could go through a creek and break that creek down in a, a, whatever yeah. a fourth of the time that it used to take to just go through there was. 2d and marking the edges of grass lines and stuff so i think that's what's uh that that that's how i would use it for my fishing anyway so yeah. I, I don't hate on it i don't know and then that's the other thing like people hate on the josh joneses and the millikins and talk about like they cheat or it's whatever but when you realize how hard it is to do what those guys do and that's how much hard. time that they put in the water to do that um if you if you talk about it in that way i just feel like you're just you're not really i you, think you don't realize how, I think the how much easiest, work it takes i think the easiest way to fix all of those issues with people that think, 
you know, oh, it's, you know, so easy. Put them on the front of the boat, turn the live scope on, just go at it. And go for it, yeah. And then eight hours later when you still don't know what's going on, yeah, you see fish, you don't know what they are, you're still trying to catch them. I mean, it's it, it took, when I got my first live scope a couple of years ago, I mean, I do my first couple of trips out on the lake. I mean, yeah, I was seeing fish. I was lost. They weren't helping me catch no fish. Yeah. I was still using it just to find grass. And then I was turning it off and turning it around and fishing the grass the way I used to fish it because yeah. I wasn't catching my live scope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, I, I, it's really, I, that's what I think. It's just going to help you find those. And it's back on that tournament that when we fished Ivy, um, there was some big, and actually the, we were fishing off, you know, I, I fish offshore a lot, but I remember at that tournament when my, my buddy Richard caught that eight pounder, um, on that spot, I cast in there right after him and, and I hooked the fish that like, I couldn't turn like that's, it, it, it had been since the, well, I, when I first started going to Falcon, it was towards the tail end of when it was, you know, people were just catching monster bags just by throwing sinkles wherever they wanted to, you know? Um, but the last time I was handcuffed by a fish like that was at Falcon throw, like pitching into a bush and basically having your drag set as tight as you could. And it was, it just started peeling braid until it wrapped you up into a bush. Yeah. So, but that, but I just feel, and I remember remembering when I was in my buddy's boat, when that happened and we made a, a small adjustment within the first 10 minutes of pulling up on this ledge and realizing we were, we were on the right stuff, but not the right, right stuff. He catches his eight, I throw in there, and then I just, I get my ass handed to me by a fish. It just peeled drag and just, it handcuffed me. And you can't be mad. No, and then it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, a, it was great, you know, but, yep. um, but it was, it was a cool tool to use for sure. Well, Mikey G, man, we can't thank you enough for being on here sure, again, man. real quick before we go. A screen graphics, San Antonio, Texas, for yeah. all the screen printing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then the name of your lodge or your little uh, house down at Falcon. Yeah, Casa Pescador. Find us on Airbnb. And uh, yeah, and then come shop at Will's Tackle Shop. How about Ab- that? Absolutely. We can't thank Will Laws enough for letting us host another podcast here, Fish Tackle Marine, and right over here on Austin Highway in San Antonio. Also, check them out on the internet. Uh, fishtacklemarine.com and you can order stuff online from him too so and you're in your uh, guide service josh plug your own guide service dude. come on dude <laughs> Last call guide service i haven't gotten into that yet man i, I just like talking about fishing i dude. had the privilege of pin- printing your shirts man you so, did you on, did dude. i got yeah. my swag from a screen graphics there, there you go and then you owe me a trip out of it still i, know, I haven't I forgot know. about it dude. dude you're on the books <laughs> let's go but alrighty, guys thank you all again joe. and uh joe thanks for having me joe oh yeah dude. i Anytime. love joe <laughs> as he stares into my eyes like that's that. right that's right <laughs> but all right everybody we'll catch y'all next time